Hello everyone, this is Jacob Hobio, the producer of The Apex. In this episode, Jan and I sit down and discuss his blog post, Dealing with Anxiety. We dive into four points of how to face your fear and anxiety. One, working out. Two, meditation. Three, exposure. Four, vulnerability. If you want to support us, there are two ways to do so. One is to donate to our cause at www.patreon.com backslash the Apex Podcast. The other is completely free. All we ask is if you learn something in this episode or know someone that needs to hear our message, share it with them. Please subscribe and hope this pushes you toward your Apex. Welcome, Apex Chasers, to another episode of the Apex Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Jan Almasy, and seated across the bar from me today is my co-founder and lovely producer, Mr. Jacob Popio. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the party, Mr. Jacob Popio. Thank you, thank you. Cheers. I don't know if I should say thanks for having me, but because you're in my basement. Right. So if for those of you listening right now, RJ normally makes this announcement. He's like, if you hear a voice is different, it's because we're in a different space. <laughs> but uh, for those of you that don't know, we're kind of in between recording studios right now. We're in the process of looking for a physical space and actually getting um, a spot of our own. So that's exciting, but in the meantime, we're going to be uh, focused on recording in a bunch of different areas. So tonight's winner was the bar in Jacob Popio's basement. It's pretty fun. Yeah. Uh, also, for those of you that are watching on Instagram Live, hello. Um, we're not, I mean, you're seated kind of far away from us, so we might not be able to see if you said anything. Um, however, I will wave to everybody watching. Sorry, I'm not necessarily in the uh, camera. But from now on, we're going to be live streaming a lot of the episodes that we record uh, because you guys have been requesting to see what our process is. Here we are. It's about all we got. Big fancy. <laughs> so today, uh, we are going to do a blog review. It's been a while since we've done one. And I've been getting, <clears throat> excuse me, a lot of requests to do a blog review on the blog that I wrote called Dealing with Anxiety. This one was a big hit. You know, it was it was a really hard one for me to write because I felt really vulnerable while I was writing it. Um, but it was also one of the ones that performed the best because I think I think I think it relates to a lot of people. Uh, I can think of at least five people off the top of my head that messaged me after reading it and said that it helped them in some way. Oh yeah, anxiety is like everyone has it. It's like everyone's happy, everyone gets sad, everyone, I feel like everyone gets anxiety or anxious at one right. point in their life. Yeah, especially when you're going through transition phases. Me and my sister were actually just talking about it, where she's mm -hmm. getting to the point where she's about to graduate college, um, she's got a bunch of other stuff going on, and she's like, I just feel like everything's happening at once. Oh, yeah. You know, and, and you just went through that phase yourself. So people deal with that stuff in different ways, and this blog is just some of the ways that I, that I offer to potentially deal with that. So we'll just kind of dive right in. <clears throat> How to deal with anxiety. I've dealt with anxiety since my freshman year of high school. When I initially entered high school after being homeschooled for the first 13 years of my life, I was terrified. I tended to mask all of my insecurities with a false confidence that ended up isolating me even further from my peers. 
I was viewed as cocky and tended to exaggerate a lot of things, thinking that it would help me fit in. In reality, all of these feelings were rooted in anxiety, and everything I did to cope made things worse. Anxiety has many different shapes, different forms that lurk in the shadows and depths of our minds. Many voices that can escalate from a whisper to a scream in an instant. These feelings and voices, they may be powerful, but in my experience, they all have one thing in common. Fear. As I continue to grow and learn in life, I have realized that all of the anxious feelings that I've tried to cover up over the years were, and still are, rooted in fear. Fear of not being accepted. Fear of failure. Fear of never being good enough. Fear of never amounting to anything. And fear of never being worthy of love. Regardless of the type of fear your anxiety is rooted in, they can all be completely debilitating at times. On a nightly basis, I have to consciously work on quieting down my mind in order to feel at peace enough to even sleep. I have a little voice in my head that constantly barrages me with hateful words, attempting to convince me that despite all I've done in my life to this point, I'm still just that scared 13-year-old kid. Today I want to share with you some ways that I have personally learned to get that voice to go away. Even if it's only for a short time. 1. Working out. This is a big one for me, and when I'm engaged in a physical activity, regardless of lifting, running, swimming, or whatever it is, my mind is able for a short period of time to go completely blank. Nothing else matters except for the workout I'm involved in. Another positive to this is that after a workout, I generally feel better about myself because I'm able to check something off of my to-do list. And physically, I feel more awake. Two, meditation. Meditation has helped me in ways that I could never imagine. It's as easy as finding a YouTube video of some chanting monks or a thunderstorm or a guided meditation and sitting in a quiet place taking 10 to 15 minutes out of your busy day to quiet your mind. Focus on your breathing and allow yourself to rest. You will come out the other side amazed at how much more clearly you think. Three, exposure. Now this one may take a little more explaining. What I mean by exposure is allowing yourself to be in situations that make you anxious in small doses. For me, something that honestly makes me extremely anxious was talking behind a microphone. I know, kind of awkward for a podcast host. I would start sweating and feel my hands get clammy at the thought of my voice being recorded. What if I messed up an hour into an episode? Everyone would hear it. To conquer this, I started small. I had a cheap microphone, and I would record clips of myself speaking and then I'd listen to them. Then I started recording things and sending them to close friends to listen to and get feedback. Once I got comfortable with that, I sent them to more people, and finally, I got comfortable enough to record a full episode, and we released it to the public. I still get nervous every time I sit behind a microphone with a guest, but at this point, I just try to have fun with it, 
it's virtually impossible to not mess up when you have a co-host as ADHD as RJ Holiday, cough, cough, squirrel girl on the Wrestling the Gap podcast with Vanessa Oswald, cough, cough. So start out small in an environment that you can control and then work your way up. Even if it all starts with you having a conversation with yourself in the mirror, the only place to go from the bottom is up. Four, vulnerability. The final piece of advice I have to offer regarding dealing with anxiety is allowing yourself to be vulnerable. Too many times we pull away from situations and people thinking that we're protecting ourselves and then we wonder why we get anxious and paranoid anytime anything in our life starts to go good. It's like we have a pre-programmed our brains to wait on the other shoe to drop, so to speak. I was like this for a long time. I refused to let people in past the barrage of walls that I had built up around myself. I hated my flaws and despised anyone having access to them. To this day, daily, I struggle with allowing myself to be vulnerable. But it has been the biggest key in me starting to deal with my anxiety. Fear is rooted in a lack of vulnerability. It's like the further you isolate yourself from others, thinking that you're protecting yourself, the more anxious and fearful you become. You become more and more fearful of people's intentions. This is too good to be true. What is he or she up to? No one could be this nice. What do they say about me when I'm not around? Sound familiar? These same thoughts have crossed my mind a thousand times. And the only way that I have figured out to start the journey in battling these voices is allowing myself to be vulnerable. I make an effort to talk about what makes me anxious. And in return, I listen when other people trust me with their problems. There's a lot that can be said in just having a simple conversation with someone and genuinely caring about their well-being. Start by just having a genuine conversation with friends. Thank someone for what they do for you, and don't expect anything in return. Trust someone with your flaws, and then listen to them if they choose to talk to you about theirs. If you don't feel like you have the ability to be vulnerable with anyone else yet, try being vulnerable with yourself. Like I mentioned earlier, stand in the mirror and talk to yourself about your flaws or insecurities. I, I know this might sound insane, but it's something that I do. I look at myself and I ask, why? Why are you feeling like this? I really try to close my mouth and just listen to what my mind and heart are telling me. Sometimes I can figure it out, and other times I can't. The important thing is that I allowed myself to put my insecurities out in the open. Even if you just start by being honest with yourself, little by little, the walls will come down. Realizing the benefit and having a deep relationship with other human beings will manifest itself in time. And eventually, you will gain the courage to trust other people. It'll be scary. I know. But you can do this. I believe in you. Ooh. Wow. I'm like, cried. I'm like sweating. 
<clears throat> that one really, that one was a hard one to write. I wrote that in um, the chapel up here uh, in our local area. It's a 24-7 chapel, um, and I was feeling really, really down the one night. I couldn't sleep, and I just decided to drive to the chapel, and that's mm-hmm. you know one of the things, that's, that's my comfort place being raised Catholic is being in the chapel, and I had no idea what I was going to write. I had no idea what I was doing, and my pen just, <laughs> just flew. It just went at it. Um. All right, guys. So I'm going to grab the phone here and take a look at our Instagram live because we're going to shut that down. Um, and we'll continue the episode here. <clears throat> all right. I'll go ahead and wave to all these people. Hello, hello, hello. Thank you for tuning in. Oh, here's Samantha Davis. She's actually one of the members of our mastermind group. That's cool. All right, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. We got to finish the rest of this episode. And end. Cool. Okay. So outside of that episode, um, outside of that episode, outside of that post, um, there's some things that me and Popio kind of want to address. So people have been asking me about this post, and I'm not going to read it line by line like we did some of the other posts because I think that it's yeah. impactful as it is. Um, but the the couple of things that I want to go over um, is the concept of fear, and then we'll kind of go over this one, two, three, four of my steps to battle it. Mm-hmm. And then me and um, Jacob here will kind of give some examples of anxiety that we've dealt with in our own lives and, and how we've kind of conquered them. Yeah. So... The first one here is uh, all feelings of anxiety um, being rooted in fear. And this is, I've worked in a mental health background, mm-hmm. right? And I'm not trying to say that people that have, I mean, diagnosed anxiety disorders aren't legitimate. You know what I mean? Like, I don't want to try to say that mental illness, I'm not trying to say that mental illness isn't a thing. Right. If you have a diagnosed anxiety disorder, those that's real. I mean, it's debilitating. People can get, I mean, physically sick, their bodies shut down because they get so anxious. Um, but fear, I think, is a huge root in in all the anxiety that we deal with on a normal basis. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, that fear of not being accepted, the fear of failure not being good enough, never amounting to anything. And a lot of times, I I mean, I don't know if this has been your experience, but a lot of times it seems like that anxiety um, is either pushed on us by other people, but the majority of it for me is like self-inflicted. It's like self-inflicted pain. You know what I mean? So you have those people that might talk down to you or whatever else, whether you're growing up and people don't believe in you and you get anxious because you don't want to fail or you don't want to disappoint somebody. But a lot of the times I feel anxious inside of myself because I don't want to let other people down. That's my big thing. And like I, I constantly, people like hold you to a certain standard. And then you like, if you lose that standard, then you're screwed. Yeah, and you, everyone's going to look at you different. Yeah, you don't want to fail in their eyes. Right. Um, but I think the biggest one in there is the fear of not being worthy of love. 
Like that's that's a huge one mm-hmm. because I think that that kind of permeates into all the other ones. Well, and you uh, mentioned a couple other things like your coping coping mechanisms before you found like the positive coping mechanisms. Oh, like the the cover ups, like the isolation, the cockiness, and, mm-hmm. the, and it just uh, manifests into worse anxiety because you're ultimately not yourself, right? And that all refers back to that acceptance, the fear of failure, uh, not being good enough, or uh, not not amounting to anything. Right. So I I think um, the first step to identifying your own anxiety is to see sometimes when I'm most anxious, I feel like I'm not myself and I do isolate myself or, or you almost try to cover it up by being too cocky and that's really relatable. And then that makes you unhappy because you don't well, want to like disappoint Then you're people. trying to keep up a facade and then you get anxious because you're trying to keep up a lie and then it all kind of snowballs. Yeah. And then you look in the mirror and you're like, who am I? Yeah. What happened? Yeah. Like, why do I feel so empty inside? And I've, I've talked to a lot of people about this where that anxiety and that, that depression and it all have be kind of being interwoven mm-hmm. that you d- deciding to isolate yourself because you're anxious about failing or you don't want other people to carry your burdens. That's one that I hear a lot is that you're anxious that other people aren't or they're going to think you're stupid because you're complaining about things and you don't want other people to bear your weight because it's your weight to bear kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And so then they isolate themselves. But I brought this up to somebody the other day. I was like, the psychology behind solitary confinement as a punishment inside of an institution is because putting someone alone anthropologically and psychologically, we're meant to be social creatures. We're meant to rely on each other and have a network of people. So taking someone and isolating them Mm -hmm. is a form of punishment. Why are you doing that to yourself? Yeah. You're punishing yourself because you almost like, feel like some people I even felt like this way that you almost deserve to be punished. Yeah. I've heard that a lot too. I felt that way. Yeah. It's like, Oh, you know, I didn't live up to my standard or somebody mm-hmm. else's standard. So I, yeah. I deserve this. I deserve to kind of be beat down for a little yeah, bit. Yeah, I would cut myself off from things that like please me. Like I would like, cut myself off of like my cell phone, just turn it off for like weeks or whatever. Right. This was when I was in like middle school and stuff. And it, it gets Which very lonely. Middle school is a weird time of yeah. life, anyway. But yeah, I mean, you you get to a point where I I remember a time in in high school, just the whole cockiness thing, um, just be feeling so insecure about myself that I felt like I had to try to put on a front in order to fit in. Period. Yeah. And high school is kind of vicious as far as the you know social totem poles, anyway. But I was. Like homeschooled, so I was socially weird to begin mm-hmm. with. Not I, I'm picking on homeschoolers because I was homeschooled. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and so between that and then not having a friend group coming into freshman year of high school and not being super athletic, yeah, that was like all the predisposing factors to getting bullied, and and that ended up causing a lot of the mm-hmm. anxiety. And rather than isolating myself, my coping mechanism was overcompensating so rather than pulling away i tried yeah. to interject myself into everything i could possibly be interject myself into right that's how i would do 
do things too. I started with isolation, then it manifests into this cockiness. You almost like to overcome your isolation. You're like, I am going to be the best and I am going to overcome it. And you kind of carry yourself with a chip on your shoulder. And I always had this um, mentality of somebody punched me. I was going to punch them twice as hard. Right. And then, then you're ultimately not yourself. People think you're arrogant, like conceited, full of yourself. And, and really you're just trying to avoid people from bullying you or talking you down. Right. Yeah. Because you don't feel like you're good enough. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I can, I can vibe with that. And and it, it, that kind of carries, I mean, it, I still feel that nowadays. Oh yeah. You know, and, um, there's a lot of people that may not believe that or, you know, they can believe what they choose, but inside of my head a lot. I mean, there's a, a ton of stress and anxiety going through my head all the time. Oh yeah. I mean, like I have trouble sleeping. There's, there's times that, you know, between the podcast and nursing and everything else, it's just, you know, a lot. And I, I preach to people, yeah, go out there and do it. I love doing it. That the the big thing for me, I and I'm I'm not trying to let this episode kind of turn into mm -hmm. just event sesh, but my big piece of advice is that if what you're passionate about <clears throat> is going directly head to head with what you're anxious about, your passion is going to win ten times out of ten. Yeah, every single time I have that little voice in the back of my head that's telling me that I'm not gonna, you know, no one's gonna care about what I say behind the microphone or anything else. I'm so passionate about this and I love what I do mm -hmm. that it doesn't even matter. I'm like, who cares if somebody, you know, cares about what I'm saying or not? I love being behind the microphone. I love recording. I love talking to people. I love helping people. Yeah, you, you love like the pos possibility of just outreaching. Yeah, even it's, even just, if it's just one set of ears that is able to listen to it. Yeah, if there's one person that we can help by listening to something like this or you know, helping them form their own content, helping a business increase their profits because we're running their media form or anything. And that's amazing. The ability, the, the fact that mm -hmm. we have the ability to do this when three years ago I started writing blog posts on Facebook is baffling to me. And I'm like completely humbled by the fact that we have the listeners that we do. Yeah. It's absolutely insane. It's, it starts to uh, give you a whole new breath of life. It's a different perspective. Yeah. It's just a different perspective. Yeah, instead of feeling like a one-legged dog trying to make its way across the street, you feel like a bird that can fly sometimes, I guess. Right. So so we'll kind of <clears> jump <throat> into some of the ways that, that we outlined here that um, we I learned how to, to deal with some of this anxiety. Um, so the first thing that I did uh, was really, and I kind of wrote these in order <laughs> of the times that I started doing them, and you'll notice that like the vulnerability is last because I just recently reached a point in my life where I fully allowed myself to do that. Um, you know, and it's because there's some people that came into my life that just crashed a bunch of stuff down. Mm -hmm. And now here I am. So the first thing that I learned, and this was probably, oh, senior year of high school, freshman year of college, mm -hmm. this kind of started the journey, was working out, right? And it's not for everybody. I'm not like some people need their self-care to be books and, and whatever else. Yeah. My self-care happens to be working out. I know that you um, enjoy hoisting the weights on the occasion. It's very um, addicting. And it's, it's something that, like I said, it's not the workout itself that helps. 
it's the fact that you're so focused on something else that your brain goes blank. Yeah. Like I'm not thinking of anything else while I'm deadlifting. I'm not thinking of hardly anything else when I'm benching, when I'm squatting. There's, there's nothing running through my mind when I'm lifting. When I run, everything's running through my mind. Mm-hmm. You know, it gives me a chance to kind of gather my thoughts and think. But when I'm in the weight room, I'm so focused on not letting the weight crash into my neck yeah, or my chest or getting crushed by stuff that I'm like, oh, okay, I'm more focused. You know, and then I yeah. leave and I f- have, you know, blood rushing. I physically feel awake. I'm hungry. I go get food and I check something little off my, my day. You know, I'm like, hey, I worked out today. High five. Good job. And no matter how hard it is to get off the couch or whatever and go there, I feel like the hardest thing is just getting there. And then once you're there, that is like the biggest check off the list and it makes you feel so accomplished for the day. I feel like we're designed like anthropologically designed to go out and do something. You know, we were hunters and gatherers at one point. So you're constantly on your feet, grinding out life. And I feel like if you're just sitting around, you have more time to let things manifest. You're you're your own worst enemy. I feel like that is how like working out has helped me so much. If I'm at home, I'm going to be like, I don't know, studying, play music or something, but you're still, your mind is still so engaged. Right. Well, there's, there's a, a quote by Socrates and, you know, I'm going to kind of adapt it a little bit. So this was written in obviously in ancient times. So it's very masculine based, but he says, no man has the right to be an amateur in the matter of physical training. It is a shame for a man to grow old without seeing the beauty and strength of which his body is capable. And I think, I mean, that's that's a tr- huge true thing when it comes to dealing with that anxiety and working out. Oh, yeah. Because, uh, I mean, a huge thing that plays into anxiety is body image. Um, and true. when I first started working out and stuff like that, that was one of the big reasons why I did it. Because mm-hmm. I wanted to aesthetically look okay, like decent, and I wanted to be strong, and I wanted to be able to, you know, say, yeah, I can lift this much, and oh, you yeah. can lift this much of me. Um, yeah, my nickname was Bones when I grew up. I was little little skinny rail type thing. Yeah. Now we're virtually the same size. Um, but you have that body image. It's such a positive thing. If you go in and just work out a little bit, Mm -hmm. you go on a walk, you go on a run, anything like that is going to help. You literally feel better. If you go and like lift biceps or whatever, you literally, I literally feel like my, my biceps are are bigger. Like, Like granted it's the pump, but I feel it even like the next day, even the next week, I can lift a little bit right. more. And for me, it's not necessarily the pump. It's like that feeling of tiredness. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, I put in some work. I mean, whether it's uh, boxing that I don't get to do very often now, yeah. um, lifting, running, swimming. Um, it, it, when I get done with a workout and I'm like, man, that was tough. I'm like, sweet. Yeah. A good way to start my day. Very positive. Yeah. And a good way to end your day, too, if you like had a crap day. If mm-hmm. I had a horrible day at work, the, I start craving the gym at this point. Like, I get, if I get really pissed off and I want to go do something, I'm like, man, I really want to go lift right now. Yeah. Well, it's better than just sitting around and feeling mopey for yourself. Exactly. Well, the thing is, though, is <clears throat> when you go home, you sit around and you feel mopey for yourself. You eat four bowls of cereal and a family sized bag of Lay's potato chips. You wake up the next day and you feel like even worse about yourself you're like man i can't believe i ate that much yeah and then you move on and it's just a horrible cycle i mean eating four bowls of lucky charms isn't the worst thing in the world though. yeah 
you, sh- you can just shoot yourself some extra insulin and it doesn't matter. Just goes right into the muscles. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, but another uh, thing that you, you kind of uh, pointed out there was the working out and then checking off your to-do list. I, I think writing a to-do list for the day or for the week or goals really helps anxiety. Because if you're just swimming in all of these actions or things to do without knowing that you have accomplished them, it feels overbearing sometimes. But if you have like a little to-do list, check it off on that list, that tangible list. That's really positive because you can be like, oh, your list is starting to diminish. That, that's, I think that's very positive. Oh, I agree 100%. As you, as you start to check things off of your list, it makes, um, there's just something gratifying about it. I think I it lessens the anxiety. Yeah. You're like, oh, that's one less thing. Yeah. One less thing I have to worry about. Some people aren't list people. I'm definitely not a list people person, I guess. My dad is. Yeah, I can't do lists. Mm-mm. No. He has like checklists for every day. He's like, hey, look at everything I checked off for today. I was like, oh, gosh. That would give me anxiety. Yeah, I feel like having a checklist would freak me out. I can't do that. I- I'm too ADHD. Yeah, I feel that. Okay, so number two, uh, meditation. So I don't know how much, Um. yeah, exactly. (laughs) I don't know how much experience you have with this, but, um, I just started honestly by finding, like I said, some YouTube videos. Um, there's actually a really funny story. Uh, my old roommate, Jacob Sowers, he actually walked in on me. I was laying on the couch, listening to Gregorian chant, just kind of zoned out and with like a candle lit in the dark. And he walked in and he hears monks singing Dona Nobis Pachem. And he was like, oh, no, it wasn't Dona Nobis Pachem. It was Da Pachem Domine. Yeah. So he hears monks singing in Latin. He was like, uh, what is going on? And why people think Catholics are like culty. Yeah. So he was like freaked out. But it was it was one of the things that just allowed me to zone out. And the crazy thing is, is that I would do like 15 minute meditations or 10 minute meditations throughout the day Um, when I was in nursing school and I was trying to balance everything. And those 15-minute meditations felt a thousand times better than a two-hour nap. Oh, yeah. Because I was so in the zone and so relaxed that, and you know, sometimes you lay there and try to take a nap and you're gone for an hour and a half, two hours, mm-hmm. you wake up feeling worse. But like a 15-minute meditation always helped me kind of re-find my center. I uh, have never really did any meditation until recently. Um I took a class of like Catholic traditions and heritage uh, at Walsh and we learned about extended prayer and like the rosary. It's like a 15 minute prayer and you just, it's repetitious. And uh, for our Protestant friends, uh, another prayer that you can do is uh, the Jesus prayer. Have you ever done the Jesus prayer? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. The Lord Jesus Christ, son of God, have mercy on me for I am a sinner. Right. And um, Dr. Gerber actually said, if you pray that, breathe in Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, while you, while you like say those words in your, your head, and then you breathe out, have mercy on me, for I am a sinner, because you're like breathing out your sins. Right. Or your ill feelings. And I, I tried that. I was like kind of skeptical. I grew up Protestant and then converted into Catholicism and after doing that you feel so 
relieved or like like a weight is lifted off your chest. Yeah, I'm clicking the pen. Mm. Yeah, no, I, I definitely feel like there's there's a weight lifted off your chest. Any anytime I did the mo- the mm-hmm. meditation or prayers or you know, if that's your thing and you're religious, yeah. I think it's a it's a huge asset to use. Don't be afraid to like I said, I wrote this I wrote this post in a chapel at one o'clock in the morning. Yeah. Well, even if you're not religious, you don't want to pray. I think even just sitting fifteen minutes of silence. No, we're constantly just being, just being alone with yourself. Yeah, we're constantly connected into the inner workings of the inner webs. You know, you're, listening you're, to podcasts. Yeah, listening to podcasts. TV is always on. There's always some, something in the background, some stimuli mm-hmm. in the background. Yep. So if you can lock yourself in your room, and just sit there. They have those cool like quiet uh, um, sensory deprivation tanks and stuff mm-hmm. too. Those are those are really really sweet. I know there's one in our area. Yeah. Um, but I mean, you can do that, like you said, just in your room. Just shut the door. Don't light have it. any outside yeah. sound. You, you can sit there. in pure darkness, or or just light a candle. Just watch it flicker. Like flames are mesmerizing. I think it's just. Oh, I agree. Like that flicker. Like how is that doing that? Mm-hmm. And just kind of yeah, just let yourself fade out. It's like its own state of matter. It's plasma. Mm-hmm. I love it. I love fire too. Um, okay, so. That that's all for meditation there, and then we'll kind of move into um, exposure. So number three is exposure, um, and I, I said that this would take a little bit more explaining because I don't want people to think that they have to walk up to the cliff of their anxiety and jump off. Yeah, like that's bad. You don't want to do that because I know a lot of people that are anxious, um, including myself. Mm-hmm. And if I'm anxious about a decision, the only time that I can't like be slow and evaluate the situation is if there's like something acutely happening on a nursing floor, mm-hmm. you know? And most of the time I defer to more experienced nurses and stuff, but like if someone's actively coding, I'm not going to be like, Oh, well I can't act because <laughs> I'm anxious. Um, but if you have the time, what I, what, what you should do it, if, if it's, whether it's public speaking or it's, you want to start a podcast or you mm-hmm. want to try to apply for a job. Is that a frowny face on your forum? Yeah, Tori didn't want to go to school. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's funny. Okay. I feel like RJ's here in spirit, yeah. making me squirrel. Um, love you, buddy. Hope you're sleeping. Um, but God, I totally derailed myself there. Damn you, frowny face. Where are we at? Oh, small doses. Okay. So whether you want to get a new job or you want to start a podcast or any of that other stuff. Start by doing stuff small, you know, in a in a in a oh yeah place that you can control. That's the thing. If you, if you can control the situation, like you're in your room, you're in your house, and you can look in the mirror, talk to yourself, or write something, read it back to yourself, yeah. record yourself speaking, listen to it. <clears throat> There's a lot of different ways that you can expose yourself to what mm-hmm. that fear feels like before you jump out. Well, I used to have a horrible fear of talking to people. I, I I've mentioned this in a prior podcast, but. What I did is I practiced. Like before, I hated talking to tr- strangers or even like people I knew. It made me like so anxious. And um, so what I did is I went into Starbucks like every day for a good year or so, like starting out for college. Hashtag gold card. Yeah, gold member. And um, 
just like talking to like the baristas or somebody like at a table or something, you know, just ask them what they're working on. I think that helped me become a little more personable. And then people don't misinterpret me as being cocky or arrogant or too stuck up to talk to them. And right. that really has helped impact me in a very positive way. I'm not as anxious to talk to people. So it's just like the little thing. Just start small and build up to it. I think that average conversation on a daily basis is super underrated. Oh, yeah. I, like the gas station clerk, the Starbucks barista. One of the John Dietz, the old mm-hmm. home from the gas company episode that we had was because I, I was eating breakfast at uh, yeah. at a restaurant and ha- he had to be sitting there at the bar and the only thing he said was man it looks like you need a cup of coffee yeah I, I love talking to elderly people like at the golf course so many or, stories or um oh, and wisdom too yeah you're at the Indians lessons, game and you bump into offer. this old guy don't like look at him like he's um oh, oh, just like oh, in your way yeah in your way like hey why did you bump into me why are you walking slow yeah yeah why are you walking slow Ask them, you know, talk to them. People have so much to talk about. Yeah, I mean, I see that all the time in nursing, too. Like, when I'm taking care of patients, mm-hmm. um, just listening to their stories. There's a lady yesterday. Um, or was it yesterday? I don't know. All of my shifts kind of run together. But All the shifts. She oh, was just kind of talking. I don't know. Like, some of the nurses were telling me that she was aggravating because mm-hmm. you couldn't get out of her room. All she really wanted was somebody to tell a story to. And so I happened to have a little bit of time. I sat down next to the edge of her bed and just kind of listened to her tell a story while I gave her some antibiotics. Yeah. Rest of the night, she was awesome. And I, I, I mean, I learned a lot. She, she told me a really, really cool story about where she was born and raised and, you know, meeting her husband who's now passed away and just her life. Like people literally put their lives out on the table. If you listen. Um, and that kind of leads us, you know, directly into our final point here, number four, um, vulnerability. And this, I, I mentioned this one last because it's something that just happened for me within the last year. Mm-hmm. And it's also the hardest one, I think. Well, I, I think it's uh, the stronger manifestation of exposure. Yeah. You're exposing yourself to a degree, but if you push it to the next level, I think it is vulnerability yeah you're putting yourself in a vulnerable state Mm -hmm. it's uncomfortable yeah and it's the biggest thing is is that people think that vulnerability is like telling everybody your secrets and it's not no it's not it's not laying yourself completely out on the table i mean there's there's a couple of people that you should be able to do that with Mm -hmm. i mean like you i have rj helena you know there's very few people that i feel my sister you know my brother there's very few people that i have the ability to do that with because it's it's tough you know what i mean and you you shouldn't be yeah. completely open and transparent with everybody because i don't know like that that just takes a lot of time away like, you yeah well and nobody's gonna know your entire life my dad's been married to my mom for 25 years and says that he still figures things out about her every week mm-hmm. i mean like it's it's not possible no matter how much you want it to be possible it's not humanly possible unless you have well, like an identical twin or something right Right. What is possible, though, is being vulnerable and being able to listen. Yeah. Right. And that's kind of what I'm getting with. There's so many people that I know that get annoyed when, you know, a friend tries to talk to them or you know, uh, they try to reach out to somebody and they don't answer back or whatever else. And it's like, 
why wouldn't you let that person vent regardless of what they've done in the past? Mm-hmm. Like if they're texting you and they're they're venting to you, there's a reason why they're complaining. So try to figure out what the deeper issue is. Be vul- Allow that person to be vulnerable with you. And then you might get to a point in a conversation where you get to share something that makes you feel vulnerable, but they can help you with and you can help them with their vulnerability and then it's positive. But if someone starts opening up to you and you shut down, then they feel like they can't be vulnerable. You feel like you can't be vulnerable. And then all that happens is you stay at like the fist bump stage of friendship and your acquaintances. You don't actually get to know each other any better. And nothing's more deflating than uh, exposing yourself to someone and they just don't see it. They write it off. Yeah. Yeah. They write it off and you're like, well, I feel really stupid for like trying to impart trust in you. Right. And one of the, the other thing inside of this, like the second half of the vulnerability piece that I say is um, that fear is rooted in a lack of vulnerability. Mm -hmm. And the entire reason, like this is for me personally, obviously, right. I'm not trying to apply this to a whole bunch of people or to the vulnerability in general. But for me, fear is what completely blocked on my vulnerability. It was the fear of things being too good or wondering what people were up to behind the scenes. What did people think of me when I wasn't around? Um, People being too nice Mm -hmm. or the situation just being, like I said, too good to be true. That was the main one for me. Um, It ruined relationships. It ruined uh, like ideas. It ruined everything. Even to, to this day, me being able to sit here right now and record with you feels like it's too good to be true. Right, I that happens to me all the time. I'm having conversations with companies, and we're going to start working with companies and all mm-hmm. that other kind of stuff. I'm like, what in the hell is actually happening yeah. right now? Right? It's like, oh, this is too good to be true. And I, I feel that voice kind of being like, all right, wait for the other shoe to drop. Yeah, you know, everything's going too good. Well, you've even mentioned like you, you oftentimes don't feel deserving of it. Yeah, no, I don't. And if you put the work in, I think. A lot of people do deserve what they they work for or work right. towards. But the, but the thing that allows you to unlock that feeling is being vulnerable with the deficits that you have with other people. Mm-hmm. The, the reason why I'm able to sit behind this microphone and talk about this right now is because I have allowed myself to be vulnerable with a group of people, including our listeners, mm-hmm. and you know, more vulnerable with those that are really close to me. And in return... You know, I've had listeners reach out and tell me some crazy stuff. Oh, and yeah. we've had conversations about, you know, just some, I don't know, some dark things, right? And it's been a blessing because I feel like I've been able to reach out to those people and help them. Mm-hmm. And I would have never been able to do that if we hadn't started this. So it, it's exactly. all kind of happening for a reason. But it, it all started happening when I decided that I was going to tell people about the flaws that I was having, mm-hmm. the the weight that lifted off my shoulders after I released this blog post, and uh, dude, I was like cramping the night before I scheduled this blog post to release, yeah. and I was like, shit, 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 like freaking out. And then it released, and I had a bunch of people like write me back and everything. I was like, oh, that wasn't so bad. But mm-hmm. then people started writing me about how it helped them, and they experienced the same thing and everything yeah. else, and it lit a fire under my butt that has been burning Ever red since. hot. Ever since. I wondered what smelled. <laughs> uh, but 
Well, even like the whole experience that I have had, making myself more and more vulnerable. If you listen to like the early pre-reels and even like the the first episode we recorded with the RJ, <laughs> I sound like a freaking dork. Yeah. You know what? Hello, I'm Jacob Opio. Hi. Yeah. <laughs> but I don't know. I feel a little more confident behind the the microphone. And oh, it, it shows in your facial expressions. And, uh, I mean, you're like, you're polar opposite person than you were when we first started recording. And even that little journey has made me more confident and be able to be more vulnerable in other realms of my life. So I think if you take that step, it's going to open up other doors throughout <laughs> your life. You know, who would have thought me uh, repeating, hey, everyone, this is Jacob Popio, you know, like helps. Right. Like even me, like saying my name. Jacob Popio sounded stupid to me. Yeah. Like it, it was weird. I feel that. Yeah. Do you want to know how dumb I felt the first time I said, welcome apex chasers to another episode of the apex podcast. I'm like, that's weird. Yeah. Then you hear it played back and you're like, (laughs) you look at yourself and you're like, stop that. Yeah. I don't know if I like that at all. Mm -mm. So, I mean, all of those, the biggest thing, and I, I kind of mentioned it right here. It says start by having genuine conversations with friends. Yeah. Thanking someone for what they do. That goes back to the John Deeds episode as far as it only takes seven to 12 seconds to change someone's mm-hmm. life and kindness is free and all those concepts. Some of the biggest things that we've had, you know, working with Mike Eversole, the reason why that relationship is so positive is because I want him to succeed. He wants me to succeed. We're yeah. vulnerable with each other about the flaws in our companies, yeah, how we can help each other, and we trust each other. It's the same thing with, you know, Jared Ball that we're adding <clears> on <throat> from Social Ocean. He believes in helping people, and he's allowing us to do stuff, you know, in that trust relationship can only happen if you allow yourself to be vulnerable. If you're self-serving the entire time and all you want to do mm-hmm. is profit from other people and step on them, you're you're going to go far, fast, but then when you Chisels fall out. down the mountain, everyone's going to laugh at you because they're happy that you fell. Yeah. If you're vulnerable with other people and they trust you and you help them, you're going to have a bunch of hands mm-hmm. underneath of you trying to push you back up if you stumble. I, I think ultimately enough vulnerability it equals authenticity. Because mm-hmm. from you, there's not too many people I that like I that. know that I feel that I can be vulnerable to them and I 110% know that they're being vulnerable to me. You see right. it through their eyes and it's authentic. Like mm-hmm. I, I believe 110, 120% that you have my back because you are authentic. Right. You know, and I, I think being vulnerable enough to people, showing them like your heart of hearts, I think that shows that you're authentic. And I don't think... A lot of people want to travel along this earth and be fake. Right. Well, we're seeing that in the world right now. You know, what part of the reason why I I love podcasting as a medium mm-hmm. is because it allows people to be vulnerable with each other and share stories. When, you know, when social media first happened, everything was sugarcoated. Yeah. Well, not maybe when it first happened, but as it slowly developed, you know, I'm thinking we're, we're looking at like the 2010 mm-hmm. time frame. Um, in that time it was picture perfect, you know, Instagrams, filters, uh, you had better post statuses about you doing positive things. Yeah. Everybody wanted to paint this picture perfect life and it made people feel unauthentic. Chasing the likes. 
Right. And they were chasing the likes and that it, it, they actually have diagnosed, you know, mental illnesses surrounding social media based mm-hmm. off of other people liking your content. Yeah. Um, and at this point, the, the world is kind of shifting back towards that authenticity. You see it in, you know, there's a company that we work with called First Form. They're awesome at it. Mm-hmm. They're super authentic. You know, they're like, listen, we sell supplements, but if you don't need a supplement and you need to eat some chicken, eat yeah. some freaking chicken, don't buy the protein. There's not a lot of companies that are like, hey, we don't want you to buy our products. Mm-hmm. We want you to be healthy. Um, I see it all the time in uh, the podcasting realm. I yeah. see it all the time in, in healthcare now. There's a huge movement to just be authentic with people. You know, meet people where they're at. You yeah. don't have to that that place where it's like nurse and physician, they make decisions. The patient, you know, didn't have any autonomy mm-hmm. or they had very little autonomy. To now there's a ton of autonomy. You know, and we respect the patient's decisions. Yeah. Because we want them to authentically believe and understand what's about to happen. Mm-hmm. So it's is uh, the entire world is shifting back towards that human to human relationship, which is exactly why for the apex, we believe in human to human interaction, ordinary people accomplishing extraordinary things and the human relationships and lessons that got them to where they are. That's the entire reason why that's our tagline, because I believe in the power of human conversation. Well, and everyone is extraordinary in their own ways. And if you can instill that into everyone, everybody focuses on the positive instead of the negative. I agree. Yeah. Um, well, so to kind of um, finish this out, I'm just going to kind of reread this last section here. Um just because I think that this is what people, you know, this is my gut's telling me this mm-hmm. is what we need to say. So if you don't feel like you have the ability to be vulnerable with anyone else yet, try being vulnerable with yourself. Like I mentioned earlier, stand in the mirror and talk to yourself about your flaws and insecurities. I know it might sound insane, but it's something I do. I look at myself and I ask, why are you feeling like this? I really try to close my mouth and just listen to what my mind and heart are telling me. Sometimes I can figure it out, and sometimes I can't. The important thing is I allowed myself to put my insecurities out in the open. I'll add something onto that. And be vulnerable. Even if you just start by being honest with yourself, little by little the walls will come down. And realizing the benefit and having deep relationships with other human beings will manifest itself. Eventually, you will gain the courage to trust other people. It will be scary. I know. But you can do this. I believe in you.